If you have your dagger with you, you don't have to have your sword tonight. Acts, the 28th chapter. Brother Rob, you see that piece of paper laying right there with the gray and white? Might be of interest to you. We're not passing notes, we're passing letters. <laughs> I don't know how many of you have been begun to actively celebrate the abundance of the Lord this year. But by the end of tonight's message, I want you to understand if you're waiting for a miracle to happen, it may never. God requires your active participation. And when a word comes, you don't sit back to see what happens because nothing will happen for you. When a word comes, you lay hold of it, you accept it as truth, and then you ask Daddy God, how can I participate with that word yes. to accelerate its manifestation? So tonight we're still talking about miracles, signs, and wonders, and you. Because you are the determining factor of whether there's miracles, signs, and wonders in your life. Except for the exclusion of if you come in contact with a person who is involved in the working of miracles. Then they, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, can work a miracle in your life. But if you're not involved with a person with the gift of working miracles, then you got to work the miracle. I hate it when you all shout me down. I have to wait for you to get silent so I can keep talking. But I hope that we will be able to open Scripture tonight in such a way that you'll see the need for your participation and God's acceleration. Yes. Did you all have something else you were going to do? No, sir. Bye. In just a moment, the men of valor will be putting notes in your hand. I'm going to extract my notes from my notebook. So is it still a notebook if I take the notes out, or is it just a book? We are purposely going to read the text for tonight. And some of you have looked at the board and you've already figured everything out. Just hold your erudite expressions until we have had time to pontificate thoroughly. When they had been brought safely through, brought safely through what? A storm. So Paul goes to deliver the gospel to a group of people. 
ends up arrested on a ship headed for Rome and it's not bad enough. First, you go to your people and you get arrested. You get arrested, they put you on a boat to take you to Rome, so you're en route to another country. And then a storm comes up and you're shipwrecked and you're night and day in the deep. Can you say, Curse after curse after curse followed God telling Paul what? You're going to witness before kings. Were there any kings in Jerusalem after the resurrection? In Caesarea Philippi, where were the closest kings at? Somehow, Paul's got to get to Rome to testify to a king. When they had been brought safely through the shipwreck and a night and a day in the deep, then we found it out that the island was called Malta. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness. Well, actually, this wasn't the shipwreck, but that's going to come too. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness, for because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received all, us all. That's prisoners, guards, everybody. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, Undoubtedly this man is a murderer, and though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But when they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead, but after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their mind and began to say he was a god. How many of you notice that people are fickle? If they see you in one light, well, you must be. If they see you in another light, well, you must be. None founded in truth, but all founded in supposition. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. The rich dude had him over for snacks. And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. After this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. They also honored us with many marks of respect, and when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. Say, all we needed. All. 
miracles, signs, wonders caused favor and set the stage for evangelism. He's on a strange island. Miracles, signs, and wonders set the stage for evangelism. Verses 1 through 5, a sign to validate Paul. When the snake fastened itself on Paul, people refer to this as a miracle, that he didn't die. It was not a miracle. It was a sign to introduce Paul to a group of people who had no idea who he was. But I want you to understand, you've been through a storm, you've been through trouble, you land on an island, you find out where you are, you're on Malta, and that beautiful azure blue Mediterranean. Hmm. Imagine you're Paul. You put the sticks on the fire, you start to lift your hand up, and there's a viper hanging off your hand. Dang nabbit, God, this is too much. It's bad enough I'm a prisoner. It's bad enough the seas were unsailable. It's bad enough we're not in Rome witnessing to the king. We're stuck on an island. And now this? To quote Job's wife, just curse God and die. Brother Andrew reminded me just before church a situation in his life that he was looking at and he said, I remember when you were in the hospital and the VA turned you down five times for getting your bills paid and your wife asked you what you were going to do and you said, they'll pay it. And she said, how do you know? And I said, because it's the only window of opportunity I see. I put this up here tonight because if you were scoring this snake bite, would you score here or here? What caused it to go from here to here? Paul would not receive the curse. To quote the great Jewish philosopher, too many times in your life when something happens, you go, Oyeve. That's Yiddish for woe is me. Did Paul go, Dang nabbit? Oyeve? I can't believe it, God. I barely got through the storm. We've got all of these problems going on. 
and now snakebite, an adder, I'll be dead in 20 minutes. Too many times Christians accept tragedy when it knocks. What was the difference in Paul dying a martyr's death on this island and having a witness for God? He would not receive the curse, but instead shook it off. Why could he shake it off? Now please understand, the adder bite is deadly poisonous. The adders are among the most poisonous of snakes. Normally speaking, he would have 20 minutes to live. That's why everybody sat around waiting for him to drop. Nothing's on TV tonight. Let's watch this man die. We know somebody gets bit by an adder, they're going to die. Sometimes, like Paul said to Timothy, you got to stir up the gift that's in you. Let me put you in remembrance. Paul had a job description. Was the job description God gave him, you're going to go to a deserted island and die? No. no, God said you're going to be a witness before kings. Does witnessing before kings include dying of snake bite? What was the difference? What made the difference in Paul dropping dead and standing strong. He had an assignment. He had a word from God. Today a whole lot of Christians go, God, how could you let this happen? It's pneumonia. It's stroke. It's heart disease. It's cancer. Is it? It isn't till you receive it. I tell people all the time, never say, my flu, my headache, my cold, my tuberculosis, my cancer. The moment you do, you've taken ownership of it. Paul did not take ownership of death. He didn't take ownership of the snake bite. This hanging on my hand, does not fit my job description. Therefore, I am not going to change who I am and where I'm going because of it, and he shook it off into the fire. I want to give you a very deep spiritual revelation that will help you when trouble knocks at your door. If you're taking notes, I'll say it slowly so you can write it down. Shake it off. <laughs> All hell broke loose on Paul. 
He picked up a handful of sticks, and the devil saw an opportunity to end him. Paul could have accepted the end, and we would have the story of a martyr. But God doesn't need martyrs. We had a saying back in the Vietnam days when we were not politically correct like soldiers have to be today. And the saying was this, no good soldier dies for his country. He makes someone else die for theirs. So Paul, in a deeply spiritual moment, shook it off. The next time tragedy tries to latch onto you, I want you to remember this. The difference between a martyr and a disaster on Malta and God being glorified and the people realizing that there was a God was Paul shook it off. So this wasn't a miracle, it was a sign because it validated Paul. But it only became a sign because he wouldn't accept it as a tombstone. They could have written on his tombstone, he died for the gospel. And people would have went, oh, oh, I hope I don't. <laughs> but verses 1 through 5 tell of a tragedy, a problem, a disaster that turns to a witness. of the power of God in the life of Paul. Verse 6 gives us a miracle of deliverance from destruction in the eyes of the beholder. But they expected that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. So they saw a miracle but God was giving a sign to show that Paul was of God. But why did the sign work? There isn't something in the scripture that said, and God said, psst, psst, Paul, shake it off. They're watching. At times in your life, you're going to have to decide, just as Andrew was reminding me tonight. It's the only window I see open. And I know my God supplies all of my need. So, Paul knew. God said, you're going to witness before kings. This adder hanging on my hand is not cooperating with that divine assignment. So whatever doesn't point in the direction God wants me to go, life and death were in the decision Paul made. And had he not shook it off, 
we would all read that story and go, well, he was a good man. He did run well. What did hinder him? The people saw a miracle from destruction. And one moment, they're seeing him as a vile, evil person who God got even with. And the next moment, they're going, he is a God. In your walk with God, don't be moved by either crowd. Because some people will come and try and worship at your feet because of something that occurs. Others will try and destroy you because you don't agree with them. Verse 7. Now because you know this sign, which they saw as a miracle, was noised abroad on this small island, the fat cat on the hill heard about it. Favor makes a place for Paul. The favor of God on Paul's life made a place for him. Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. The gift of faith in Paul's life. The gift of understanding that if you have an assignment from God, anything that doesn't look like that assignment is of the devil. Shake it off. Verse 8. Paul gets to pray for the rich man's father. How many of you know that if you get to pray for the rich man's family members, you have favor? I remember a friend was pastoring a little church in the Denver area, small church, and he was living in a, a very modest little house. One night, the, the phone rang. An individual said, this is so-and-so. I would like you to come to the house and pray with me. And gave the pastor the address. The pastor pulled up at the address and almost didn't get out of his car because it was a huge mansion, just a huge place. He pulled into the motor court in front of the mansion and he went in and when the servants opened the door for him to come in, his mouth fell open as he looked around and saw this house. They led him back to a bedroom where the owner of the house had heard about healings that were taking place at this little neighborhood church. And he said, I want you to pray for me. And the minister's coming over, but he's still looking around while he's trying to get to the bed to lay hands on the guy because of the, the opulence of this place. The draperies, the artwork, the the chandeliers, it was a, a mansion. He laid hands on the man and prayed for him. And the man said, uh, you keep looking around. And he said, 
I've never seen a place like this. The man said, you like it? He said, like it? I'm in awe. He said, I've got several. Contact my realtor and my lawyer tomorrow, and I'll trade houses with you. Favor made a place for him. Now, some of you go, who could that happen to? That was the start of John Avanzini's ministry of the prosperity of God. I was blessed one night when John told me that story. But because he was willing to pray for somebody that wasn't a member of his church, willing to get up in the later evening and go to the man's house and pray for him, his life was totally transformed because your gift will make a place for you and bring you before great men. I want you to also note in verse 8, Paul prayed. Paul laid his hands on him, and then it says something strange in the text. What does it say? And Paul healed him. Well, Pastor, Paul didn't heal him. God healed him. Well, God was there, and the sick man was there before Paul arrived. Was anything happening? Now then, understand this. Had Paul said, I healed him, it would have been wrong. Because Paul would have been taking credit for what God did. But at the same time, when someone else sees it and says it, it brings glory to God because God said in Matthew 10, 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He said the reason you can heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, is because you've been given that power of me. But God said, don't pray for them, heal them. And when you begin to heal the sick, people will take note and they will accredit those miracle signs and wonders to you. But like Brother Copeland used to say, never believe your own advertising. Never go, I saved them. I healed them. I raised them. I delivered them. No. You were the instrument through which God did it. And it's natural for other people observing to misinterpret it. But it's ungodly for you to take credit for what God did. Healing is the dinner bell of revival. Now that the fat cat's daddy has been healed, the whole island is receptive because you have shaken off death in your body and now you have removed death from somebody else's body. People want to be where you are, hear what you say, and contribute to what you're doing. Verse 10, they honored us with many marks of respect. What were they respecting? The gift. 
And because of the gift, there was a sign. There was a miracle. Paul laid hands on him and he was healed. There were miracles, signs, and wonders because the people wondered, how come this dude ain't dropping dead? So the sign produced a wonder that led to a miracle that led to the whole island turning in respect and honor to the man of God. And when we were getting re- when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. And your God shall supply all your need according to the living standard of heaven. How was Paul's need and his companions with him, how were their needs supplied? Through the vehicle of people who had seen the manifestation of God and wanted to hook up with who God is operating in. During this year of 2016, you're going to have opportunities for a curse to come into your life. Can you shake it off and not take ownership of it, not ask God why, not blame God because He let it happen, but shake it off because you are in the driver's seat. Paul determined whether it was a curse or a blessing. It came dressed as a curse. He shook it off, and everybody saw it as a blessing. When you're engaged in doing God's work, He is busy doing and arranging yours. So while Paul was doing the work of the ministry, God was arranging for all of his needs to be met. And my God should supply all of your need. But the need was supplied by Paul doing God's work. Psalm 107.20 He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Yes, Pastor Jim, I've been waiting for God to do that. How did God deliver Paul from his destruction? All Paul had to do was remember the word of the Lord. You're going to minister to kings. And in the power of that word, he could shake off destruction. But had he not shaken it off, some religious people would blame God for not delivering him. But the deliverance is not in the adder falling off your hand. The deliverance is in you trusting the authority you stand in to shake it off. Too many people are waiting for God to do everything, and God is waiting for you to do something. Why was Malta evangelized? Because Paul shook it off. Because dying of snake bite didn't align with his divine assignment. Stop and look. What has God told you he wants to do to you, with you, and through you? You should take time to sit down and write those things down. Write them on a piece of paper you can stick in your Bible. Write them on a piece of paper you have where you see it often 
And every time something comes up, does this align with my assignment or not? If it does align with my assignment, it's not God. I don't have to allow it, but I got to shake it off. Because God didn't come down and go, Paul, let me get that for you. But your gift will make a place for you. Your anointing will allow you to transcend the lies of Satan that would come against you. Many people are never healed because someone didn't get involved in being the hand of God extended. Many people have become martyrs because they wouldn't shake it off. They didn't judge righteous judgment. Now I know because a lot of people listen to the news and the news continues to say, judge not lest you be judged. That is a misquote. The verse in context says, don't judge by the way you see it. Or you will be judged by the way you're seen. But it, then it continues and says, judge righteous judgment. Righteous judgment says, this isn't in my job description. Therefore, I don't have to put up with it, receive it, or tolerate it. Sometimes you're going to have to tell bankruptcy, debt, sickness, disease, physical attack, financial attack, spiritual attack, you're going to have to tell it, you're not in my job description. But if you don't know what your God-given call is, what has God told you was going to happen in your life? What has God called you to? Well, Pastor, God's promised me a lot of things. How are you cooperating with those promises? Are you still sitting back as a spectator saying, God, when are you going to do it? Paul could have died waiting for God to get the snake off his hand. Paul could have died when word came to come to Publius' house. He could have said, wait a minute, I ain't venturing away. Last time I ventured away from the campsite, I nearly got killed. Realize that anything that doesn't align with what God has told you don't belong to you. It's not yours. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Stand fast, therefore. Paul stood fast, and in the morning, joy came. And he had an audience prepared by the work that God had allowed him to do. Because he shook it off, the whole island was ready to hear what he had to say. Healing is still the dinner bell of revival. When miracles and signs and wonders began to occur in your life, people will start coming to you wanting to know more, to see more, to do more, to have more, and how they can be a part of what you're doing. 
and blessings will come spiritually, physically, financially, because you're obedient to your assignment. In 1978, God said, teach my people faith. He didn't say if crowds come. But I watched groups come to Austin and start a faith ministry, and when a year was up and they only had 75 people, they quit and went back to Tulsa. Shut the church down. It's not, you know, it's not booming. It's not exploding. It's... The Bible doesn't say when he returns will he find people successful. It says will he find them faithful. Because the way we judge success and the way God judges success are two different things. In the coming years, some of you are going to have a chance to be a martyr. Don't accept it. Don't receive it. Not mentally, spiritually, financially, in any realm of your life. Shake it off and go, this doesn't align with what God called me to do. This doesn't bear witness with what God told me. Therefore, poverty, get out of my face. Sickness, get off of my body. Fear, get out of my house. Worry, get off my back. Learn this lesson. I can turn the curses to blessings. Or I can die under the curse. How do I judge it when it comes? Judge righteous judgment. Not your opinion, feelings, or doctrine. Judge righteous judgment. What does the Word of God say? What did God say? If it doesn't align with that, I'm shaking it off. I have a work to do. And this isn't in my job description. Father, we have shared your word this night and seated in your people your truth. Father, I thank you that every word spoken this night has gone into fertile ground. The people have heard and they will remember and their lives will be a powerful witness for you because of it. Father, you're teaching us the art of shaking it off so that we turn our curses to blessings and we triumph through the name and the blood of the Lamb. And the people said, Amen. You are the blessed of the Lord. Go with God.